0: Welcome to the Media Ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How are you doing? Awesome. Happy Mom. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms here. Um, super exciting. We have been in a series. We've got just a few more weeks. Uh, we're going to finish up through uh, Romans 8 in our series, Not Just Human. I hope you're tracking with us. Um, We are in Romans chapter 7, if you want to open up in uh, in your Bible this morning. We'll be in verses 7 through 13. And I want to talk this morning. We're going to drill in on something um, I think we don't spend too much time really thinking about. So a couple questions to get us in this morning. First one is this. how, How much time do you spend wrestling deeply with coveting it's the 10th commandment thou shalt not covet do you know what that is and how much time do we really think about that because folks we live in a culture that is experiencing we're going to get into this the absolute ramifications of unbridled coveting Um, it's not just desire we're going to look at it it's actually what's behind my desire it's the motive right Remember, God is not just concerned on the outside, so Paul is going to a deeper level uh, in this next section in dealing with the heart. What God is concerned about is what what is my desire? What's behind my desire? He doesn't want to crush desire. Actually, he wants to bring desire alive completely in the freedom of the gospel. And then the other question along with that then is, well, gosh, what's the opposite of coveting? What would be the opposite of coveting? And let me just define coveting this way, and we'll come back to this, is self-seeking anxiety. Self-seeking anxiety. Pleasing myself. And in the midst of that unbridled self-seeking, it only brings anxiety. And we'll talk more fear, lawlessness. We can go down the list of things we see flourishing right in in our culture today. The opposite of coveting, how much time do you think about Contentment. Contentment. And how to attain that in the midst of our consumer-driven, coveting, comparison, competing culture that we live in. Who has laid hold of contentment? And folks, you realize there is no such thing as peace for the soul without contentment. You can't be at peace if you're not content. The base of our soul. And these two are intimately connected. There's war going on between coveting. This is why it's the 10th commandment. This is why Paul brings this, this commandment out because it's deep water because it's the only one that is not just, yeah, I'm doing that. You can see the obedience just out there front and center. Coveting goes deeper. It's, it deals with desire. It deals with the inner heart, right? Um, and being honest with why am I doing, what am I doing? Why am I seeking that? Why do I want that, right? So this is where we're going to head this morning. Now, if you're with us, um, we're going to talk about freedom from progressive Christianity this morning. Last week, we looked at legalistic Christianity. That's the first part of chapter 7 that Paul um, dealt with. He talks about this new way of the Spirit. Folks, the glory of the Gospels were called into this whole new way of life. It's something radically different than oftentimes we think about being led by the Spirit, not under the law anymore. And uh, we talked about that. Now he moves in verse 7 into dealing with a whole other aspect, right? Which is, uh, well, the first one, legalistic, is, is dealing with taking the law, an overemphasis on the law. And now he moves into those that say, well, the law must be evil. Let's just chuck the law because it, it, it's what keeps us from being free. And, um, and so the, and this is part of the... The, and throughout history, there has been this, uh, this questioning, right, of the gospel. Um, and this is what Paul has to deal with. And we'll call it progressive Christianity because it's taken hold. It's moving rapidly today. And we'll make connections to show that. But it's basically saying, hey, get rid of the law and uh, let's be free. And with the getting rid of the law, then there is a minimizing of sin and its impact, right, in our life. And next week, we'll, he brings it all together in this chapter with this new way, this new way of being spirit-led, this radical freedom, the glory of the gospel, this abundant life, this place where we are able to truly live in contentment of our soul and our life. And to realize that only God is the one who satisfies. Everything I need, everything you need is answered in him. And there's freedom to understand, right, that there's nothing, right, driving my desire other than I'm free, right, to let the Lord, the Spirit of God, drive those desires. I'm in union with God when it comes to my heart and my soul and the deepest parts of, of my being and what I, what I desire. So let's go back um, and uh, dive in this morning. If you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 7. I'm just going to walk through this because there's so much uh, technical stuff going on here. He goes goes into deep water, right, in this when he's really wrestling, right, with the impact of the gospel in light of the law of God that was given, right? Going all the way back to the Ten Commandments, the moral code tied to the very character of who God is. Um, And he says this, verse 7. What then shall we say? Is the law sin? In other words, he's addressing those that, that would come back to Paul and throughout history that have said, hey, real freedom is let's just get rid of the law. Right? Let's get rid of the rules. Let's just be led by our spirit, by our, you know, ourself, basically, or what culture says is, is the way to go. And he says, by no means. Um, the law is not sin. Yet, if I had not been, yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. Now, folks, this is um, again. I'm just going to walk through this and try to hold on to some of Paul's argument here. The role of the law. If anybody who follows God, part of this Christian life is, and this of my life is, understanding not just the law of God, but just the law of the land. What's the role of the law? Why do we need law? So put aside biblical law, let's just deal with someone who's a happy pagan out there and just living life. Why do we need law? Why are we wrestling with lawlessness taking over in our country? Throughout history, mankind's never just been able to live on their own without law because we move towards chaos. We move towards lawlessness and if i honestly think about that it's because there is evil and that evil is unfortunately resident inside us and anyone you we've you know again from the philosophers from of old and everybody else we have to answer the question why do we need law why do we need law enforcement to have a civil society throughout history it's because there is evil because there is sin ultimately and this is I can continue, right? And there's going to be two routes we're going to look at here this morning. But I can either move towards this idea of coveting and and set it aside along with the law, never really go deep into contrition and to humility and really wrestle with this evil desire, this sin nature within me that I need to be aware of and let God and only God heal. Or I can continue to live exalting self inside me. And I can continue to let... Uh, life lived by self, right, determine my life and obviously society. And again, we could take a history lesson here. But what Paul is saying is the role of the law is to expose sin. Now listen to his argument here. I wouldn't have known sin unless it was for the law. Where law is not held up, then you can drive as fast as you want. There's no guilt, there's anything else. But we know that it's not going to go real well statistically, right? And apply that to anything in life. The role of the law, right, is to expose, and and now I'm moving back to biblical law here, right? God's character, what it is to live right before him, it is to show me and reveal in me the sin that needs to be covered and forgiven where I desperately need the Spirit of God to come and to help me live, to conquer, to put an end to that to that, um, that flesh, he calls it. That sin within. For I would not have known what it is to covet. If the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. But sin seizing an opportunity. And this is actually a military word. Sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetedness. See, without the law saying, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not, and this goes back to Exodus 20, the law. Thou shalt not covet um, thy neighbors, goes wife, house, <laughs> you know, stuff, everything. Thou shalt not covet these things. And I wouldn't have known that. And once the law came, what Paul is saying is like, oh, that welled up in me, the reality Of man, I desire those. I have evil, and and this is directly, as we're going to see, this is evil desire. In other words, really wrestling with the motive of why do I want that? Why am I not happy with my own wife? Why am I not happy with my own house? In other words, what is the real motive behind my desire for that thing? And is my desire for that thing actually what is causing me to desire that thing? Is it, am I putting greater. Um, impact or, or need or focus on that to satisfy myself rather than God. And so we can move to Colossians 3 5 and, and, and Paul makes this connection that covetedness is actually the same as idolatry. So when I have a desire and I'm not in tune with the the motive of that, why do I desire that thing? Is that this is where it goes deep. Far. This is What Paul's trying to lead us into, for real freedom, is when I get honest with my soul and I'm allowed in the Lord and the Spirit of God to expose the motives of my soul. Why do I desire that thing? And if we go deep, we all understand there are things that we desire that are not right, but even if it's something that's, hey, it's okay to want a house, but am I willing to take time before the Lord and say, why do I want that house? Is it just to provide for my family, da-da-da? Or is there something that that house is replacing, right, that I'm putting more of an emphasis on than what God is doing for me? And put that into anything. In other words, am I looking at that, whatever that issue is, clothes, I mean, right in our consumer-driven culture, and we're going to break this down in a minute, but am I looking to that to meet a need of my soul rather than God? Am I willing? Are you willing to let the Spirit of God shine a light inside your soul and reveal the real motive behind what I desire and really wrestle with desire. Why do I desire? And where does real satisfaction right come from? And this is what Paul's getting at. And this is the role of the law. I was once alive apart from the law, but when once the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. Now, what does he mean by that? In other words, once I, I see that the command, and once I really let the spotlight of God reveal on my soul, and I realize my desires are so selfish, right, and, and maybe even evil sometimes, is that wow, he says, now I die. Now I am in a place of before God Almighty, I'm in a place that that says, Wow, I'm dead spiritually. How is this going to work out, God? How am I going to get right with you? What am I going to do about this sin? What am I going to do? about these evil desires. And this is where the glory of the gospel comes in, right? The only thing that ultimately sets us free, and we'll get there in the next uh, little bit here. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. In other words, this is the purpose of the command of the law and what paul 's driving home in this book is is no matter how many laws, and this basically sums up the whole old Testament, no matter how many laws that we give ourselves is that mankind and no matter you go throughout history doesn 't matter where we go, what what country what time of history it doesn 't matter how great the laws are, man cannot obey them, we break them repeatedly um, and that what 's the point of that? It should and it is to wake us up to realize as we're going to get to the end of this chapter, wretched man I am. Who's going to save me? Who is going? Who can deliver me from the bondage of self and evil desire? Who can deliver me from thinking that I can satisfy myself ultimately with the things right of this world? And this is where Paul's trying to take us. For since seizing an opportunity through the command deceived me, And through it, it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. It is not to be chucked aside. And folks, this is the experiment our culture is playing right now in the church. This idea of covetousness has creeped from culture into the church more than we'd ever realize. And we'll dive into that in just a second here. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me. It's not the law's fault, Paul's saying. It's not the commands of God. In other words, the issue is me. And so, how many things could we say in public right now, just political? Uh, and I'm tempted to go certain places, but I'm not. I'll leave it to you. In politics, how many discussions are we having right now where it's this is the problem and not wrestling with? No, really the problem is we have a problem with people's hearts and souls. The problem is personal. It's not this thing, material thing out here. It's right here is the problem. And a society that continues to try to blame something, an object or something, rather than our own soul, is one that is going to continue to devolve into lawlessness. And um, I'm afraid we're moving deeply into that. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, the law. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So the role of the law is to expose sin. For us to wake up and realize, man. I, I, I'm a sinner I can't obey the law the law of God and it's to move us Galatians says the law is to be a tutor it's to teach us for the need of a savior to teach us we need God basically we should be able to look at history we should be able to look at just life in general and say Lord we need help Lord where are you? I need help culture needs help right that's the role of the law now what I want to do is there's a reason why Paul picked of all the commandments, he picked coveting here as I said before it's one thing to say, you know, go through the commands. Thou shalt not murder, uh, you know, um, uh, honor your parents, uh, that no adultery, on and on, don't lie. Well, those things are clear. We can clearly see, oh, you know, I obeyed that. I didn't do that. I haven't done those things. Covening's deeper. Because you can't tell. In other words, covenanting is, how do I know I've sinned with my desire? It's deep water, isn't it? And so let's go there. Um... Folks, we got two routes to go. And this is what Paul's calling us to wake up and see. Is that if I continue to just not go there and not move towards contrition, not move towards a place of Lord, of brokenness, and not move to the end of myself to where I start beginning with Jesus... Is that I end up in bondage to these things? So here, let me just tell you how covenanting works. Is what happens with covenanting is if I do not heed Paul's words, if I don't get serious with my inner being and my desire and the motive of my heart, what I really want, and if I continue just to be numb and hard-hearted and, and just believe in culture and just think I don't need God, right? Then what happens is my heart hardens and. Um, and I don't address the real motives of my heart. Where does that take me? Well, and there is no, there is no exception to this. And I think as we walk through this, we'll see, right? Because all, we're all here. We all struggle with this, right? Part of covening and where if the covenant is not addressed and, and, and healed and strengthened by the Spirit of God, and we'll get there in a minute, this is what I'm captive to. One is comparison. Right? Thou shalt not covet, desire, all these things. And folks, we live in a, com- we live in a comparison world, right? And what behind that is this idea that and the bondage will never be enough. We'll never have enough and we ourselves will never be enough. That's where we are, isn't it? It's because we're so caught up, right? Coveting has been unbridledly you know, unleashed, shall we say. In our culture, that in part of just our culture that we don't even think about sometimes is how much we just are caught in comparing ourselves to others. It is what's built social media. It's taken off. And I don't think I have to prove that to anybody, do I? We're all susceptible to that. We all do this. And this is where either self is going to be on the throne, and and if self remains there, then here's the tragic bondage. You will never be enough. Because self and the things of the world will never satisfy. You will be in a constant bondage of comparing yourself to others, your worth, how much your love, just go down the list of everything. And you know what? You will never have enough. Because nothing in this world will ever satisfy your soul. No matter how much, you will be caught in a cycle of striving for more, working for more, toiling, working constantly in your mind, right? Your own soul not being enough, but never having enough. That's the result of coveting. And that's exactly where we're at. And folks, I, I mean, I don't think I have to say too much about the idea of we'll never be enough. Doesn't matter how much you, you think you can control yourself and whatever it is. It's, it's, we're just in more deeper and deeper bondage of the soul, right? And that leads to competition. As we learn to compete, once we start comparing ourselves to someone, now I'm in competition with you. I need to look better. I need to be faster. I need to be stronger. I need to make more money. Go down the list of things, right? And this is deep water, isn't it? And once we start competing with one another, and, and folks, you just think about this philosophically. Is there anything really good about competition? Now, I love competition. I love sports and everything, but let's go a little deep on that. What does it really do? Is it actually in our culture producing more Selfishness, pride. Because really, why do I want to compete with you? I want to to be better than you. I want the trophy. I want the glory. In other words, I have to wrestle with. Now, somebody says, well, this is great for business, competition. There is positive, there is healthy aspects of this, but we haven't gone deep on this to really think about our own lives. And with competition, you know what? We put self at the center. I'm better than you. I'm going to win. I can build a better business. I can make more money. I can be more successful. And you know what we do at the cost of striving for those things? We leave relational disaster behind us. When self is at the center and not addressed, relational disaster takes place. And we end up, sure, being successful, maybe being the best in our field. And again, there's nothing wrong with attaining those things. The question is, what is my motive? And have I, because one thing's for sure, if self is up the center, guess what? We sacrifice relationship. We've sacrificed the most, the thing in life that gives us actually the most fulfillment. We're in bondage. We're led astray. And folks, all that just leads to consumerism, to where we're at. The more we acquire, the more we desire. Does that make sense? Does everybody agree? Yes. Do you know that the more you acquire in this world, it will not satisfy you. No one's ever said, I'm fulfilled now, I'm happy. No, as the Bible says, I've got to build bigger barns. And I know it to be true. Just even little things, right? Uh, I was thinking about the other day, there's these shirts out of Austin called Poncho and they're great fishing shirts. They're just awesome. I mean, they've figured it out in many different ways and, and they found me. And so they sucked me in and I got one. I love this shirt, man. You can wear it for anything. Then they keep finding me because somehow I even delete their unsubscribe and they still find me somehow. I'm like, yeah, I need that. That's a new, I need that one, you know? And it's just that, think about that. And why do I need another one? Because they build upon this this sense of consumerism. I need that. Why do I need that? Why am I not satisfied with the five others I have? (laughs) Ah, It's a new color or whatever, right? And again, don't get me wrong. Folks, nothing wrong with having some shirts. The question is, am I willing to really wrestle with what's going on inside my soul? Right? In the culture and how much that has crept into the church and kept me from being satisfied in Him. Right? And where does all that lead? To confusion. Radical confusion. Emotional confusion. Identity confusion. Soul confusion. Purpose confusion. Confusion. Does anybody want to argue with me? Is that not where we're at as a culture? Confused. Desperately striving, doing irrational things to try to find some sense of peace and understanding. And folks, confusion breeds these primary things. Fear, anxiety, and lawlessness. Um, And that's where we're at. That's what happens when coveting is just let go and I'm not willing to go deep and wrestle with my motive and wrestle with, wow, who will save me from this? Is there something better? Is there, is there freedom? Because all that is bondage. Deep bondage. And I ask you this morning, are you willing to wrestle, go deep inside your soul and deal with desire? What? What is behind your desire? Is it self? Are you willing to let the gospel shine on you and move to a place of contrition? Confession. I need your God. And folks, listen, Isaiah 66 too is profound. This is what God says, but this is the one to whom I look. You want God's attention? Here's a promise. You want God's attention over your life, favor over your life, blessing over life, now and into eternity? This is who he pays attention to. He who is humble, contrite in spirit, and trembles at my word, at my commands. That's the one who gets God's attention. Wow. There's the one who's not willing to just stay in bondage to consumerism and competition and coveting, but who's honestly willing to look at their heart, right, and be moved to a place of contrition, which just simply means, Lord, forgive me. Holy Spirit, come in. I need you, Holy Spirit, to lead this. Right And not me. I need to put an end to myself. Jesus said, no one can follow me what, unless they deny themselves, pick up their cross and come follow me. Right? We talk about um, our culture, one of the big buzzwords, right, is safety. I need a safe place, right? Um, and folks, there's such a lie out there. We've created what we call safe places that are actually places that just don't deal with bondage and reality. A biblical safe place is a place of exposure, a place right where everybody is under, right here, is humble. There isn't a competition of, hey, I'm a better Christian than you are. Hey, I, I obey better than you do. It's a place of contrition. It's a place of, we are all trophies of grace. We all need Him, His Spirit, just as much. We all struggle with wrong and evil and selfish desire, but. Gosh, we are a people who've been redeemed. We're a people who understand the grace of God. We're a people who are laying hold of the freedom of contentment that comes with that faith, shalom, peace in this crazy world and righteousness, not lawlessness, but righteousness, loving the things that God loves and it's goodness and seeing God infuse and bless a people, bless family, bless relationship, bless my soul. And it's the ultimate in mental health. Shalom, right? That's contentment. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, man, the godliness plus contentment is great gain. We're to lay hold of this, is the spirit led life, is to be content. Lord, oh my gosh, I, I have all I need is in you, God. All I need is in you. And Lord, wrestle, come like, like, a, like a shining light, expose my soul, where, where, where I'm wrestling, where I'm selfish, where I'm, I'm, I'm seeking, where there's idols of desire, where I'm uh, maybe some evil desire, maybe some bondage, some things. I'm trying to find contentment outside of you. And that only puts me in bondage. The whole history, nobody. Folks, do you realize, no one, and this is what's so shocking of how powerful and evil this process is, no one, you'll find no one, I could give testimony after testimony of people throughout history who've had everything. Let's just start with King Solomon. All his vanity. Nothing the world has will satisfy your soul. Nothing. Only he. And he has everything. And he's willing to bring an amazing, right, contentment Right to our soul. Does that make sense, gang? This is deep water. And this is why Paul brings up specifically using coveting, right? As this, as this example here of, of gosh, wow, I I, I checkbox. I'm pretty good. I haven't done adultery. I haven't done this and this. But when it gets down to coveting, it's like, oh, now I gotta wrestle with my desires. Right? How I look at someone, how I what I think about them, what I whoa. I ask you, have you allowed the Spirit of God? Those of you who know Jesus, have you allowed His shining light? Have you allowed Him that far to really address the motives of your heart? And this is when the Spirit of God starts moving. This is when the filling of the Spirit comes. This is where freedom comes. There is no mental health without this exposure. There is no freedom from bondage, right? Without being honest, and folks, God, he's got something better. Again, I mean, isn't it amazing? We continue to strive and, and, and go and after these things. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the Greek philosophers, they defined the same Greek word used for coveting that the New Testament uses. Uh, they described it at the, as the waywardness of man in conflict, right? In conflict with his, his integrity, with his rationality. The waywardness of man in conflict with his rationality. Folks, is that not where we're at? I mean, we have an argument. It's just, it should be shocking to us to see the public dialogue out there that is the most irrational, crazy stuff that goes against every bit of science and every bit of just truth. It is this waywardness right, that has me now even going against rationality. That is lostness. That is only going to create more anxiety and more lawlessness, sadly, to say in a culture. And, and Jesus arms wide open says, come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. I'll give you contentment. I have everything you need for your soul. And folks, to be released from the bondage of competition... And to rest in you are uniquely loved. You are uniquely gifted. You have God has a unique, glorious plan for you. And to rest in that, you can walk in a room and you can just be free to be who you are. Young people, how about this? You let the gospel take hold of you and define who you are. When you walk into that school system, guess what? I can promise you, you can walk in that kind of freedom. And you know what? I can promise you it's going to happen. That's going to be under attack. But you know what? You're going to be a light that shines. You are the one that is going to make a difference there. Because you'll break through all kinds of crazy pure bondage and and barriers and everything. Just by being free of saying, man, what you say doesn't define me. What the culture says doesn't define me. What my Lord says defines me. That's how much I'm loved. That's who has me in his hands that's the one who satisfies me not how many likes I have not by what people said on my social media not by how much money I have not by how good I look not how good I'm at sports go down the list of things it is what he says about me and folks the freedom that that gives a person to be able to love and engage people because now it's unoffendable man you can say all you want to me but I'm still going to love you still going to walk with you I am free I'm free Folks, that is the safe. You talk about a place of safety. The church should be that kind of environment where people are just coming alive with how God sees them, how God wants to set them free. It should be a place ready for people to come here. I got to check that out. And folks, I believe with all my heart that we're entering into a time where our society is coming to the end of self. What more can be done? What more, what more can, can a person do to try to bring satisfaction and affirmation in their life? What's left? What's left of the biblical commands to be tore down? What rebellion is left? I mean, what's left? Now, granted, you got the Northeast passing this polyamorous law, and we got all kinds of... Again, because the floodgates are open, we're going to see more and more craziness. But I believe that we're at the end and folks, the beginning begins with Jesus when I come to the end of myself and when young people say, you know what? This wackiness that our culture and sadly school systems are pumping our way, this is not helping one bit. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to come to the end of myself and say, all right, maybe I'm going to come and let the Lord, let the Spirit speak into my being. That's freedom. That's radical freedom, right? And I think we have to be ready for that. That means we have to be a place of freedom. A place where we've allowed the Spirit of God to really shine, right? In in our hearts and and dealt deeply with with desire. And so, Derek, if y'all come on up, I just want to end this. There's so much more, right, we could could say here. Um, But I hope you understand what Paul's getting at with coveting. I think for me... Man, I, I, in studying this, I was like, ouch, I've only dealt with the surface part of coveting mostly in my life. Like, yeah, I'm not going to go covet, you know, these things or whatever it is. And, and um, but man, it's dealing with the desire, right? The motive behind my desire. Why do I desire that thing? And folks, that's what it takes to get freedoms. I have to get honest with my soul. What do I desire? What do I want? And Jesus, pee- he asked everybody that. What do you want? What do you really want? What do you really desire? And Jesus says, i got abundant life for you. But to begin that journey, you've got to come to the end of yourself. You've got to be willing to let the spotlight of God shine in your soul. And reveal self and sin, and move that us to all of us to a place of humbleness and contrition before God, and simply say, "Lord, come, forgive me, forgive me." So, as we prepare to come to this table, I just want you to think about something. As we partake, what we're remembering is what Jesus did for us. And when I come to that table, it should be this overwhelming sense of gratitude that all I need, all my soul longs for, all my heart desires are in Him. Are in Him. He's more than enough. And as a matter of fact, if I come to Him that way, He will actually pour out the Scriptures' promise even more abundance. And more blessings, and He promises to do that, actually for all eternity, for His children who know Him. And so, what I wanted to just lead us into a, a prayer time, just some silence, but also just I'm going to just throw out some questions, and um, let's just uh, see what the Spirit of God will do in our hearts this morning before we come to His table. Sound good? So, Father, thank you, Lord, for Your Word, and Lord, these are this is deep water. This is deep stuff. Um, Lord, I know this week you've been, gosh, just as soon as I feel like some layers in my heart are back, you just go deeper, another layer. And Lord, though it's painful, oh, so freeing. And Father, I just pray for each person. Holy Spirit, move here. You know where every heart is. You know every desire. You know the thoughts and the motives of our heart it doesn't do any good to hide from you God it just creates more bondage and more guilt and more shame Lord your amazing patience and love for us gosh how you love us Lord Father, I just pray. I pray over us. I pray over our, our community, our nation. Lord, we're so wrapped up with coveting, comparing, competition, consumerism. Lord, we are we are just in bondage, God. And never without a vision forward where this is all headed, Lord. It's just more bondage. Lord, awaken our hearts, God. Whisper, come speak to your people. And Father, I just want to pray. I know there's folks here, Lord, right now who are dealing with things, Lord, that, man, they it's a desire. It's something that they've just in bondage to that they think has been fulfilling them. And Lord, I just pray this morning with your great love and your mercy you would come crashing into their soul and expose that for what it is sin selfishness and bondage guilt and shame and Lord that you would just cover it You'd do business in our hearts set your people free Lord from coveting, from the self Holy Spirit come Make your home within, Lord. That's your desire. Yeah, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.